What is an action? At the end of this episode, you'll understand this fundamental idea in functional programming and you'll be able to recognize it in your own code and begin to deal with actions in a better way. So my name is Eric Normand and I help people thrive with functional programming. So in my definition, my understanding of functional programming, the first step of doing functional programming is to divide things into three categories. Divide everything in your code, really everything in your problem domain, into three categories. Those categories are actions, calculations, and data. So this episode is about actions. This is, these are my terms for these categories, but it's something that all functional programmers do. Is they see actions, calculations, and data. They distinguish these things. So you might have heard actions referred to as impure functions, impure functions, or sometimes people will talk about the effects or side effects of a function. These could also be you know, loosely looked at as actions. Um, actions are really anything that depend on when they are called or how many times they are called. So let's go over some examples because that's kind of like a rule of thumb for identifying them, but it might not really help you understand what actions are. So when we run our software, the reason we run software is because it's going to gather information from the world and make some kind of decision and then act on the uh, world again. So an example of this is um, a computer system, a web server, is waiting for a user to create an account. So they're submitting some web form and then they create the account, they save that information somewhere to like a database and then it sends like an email confirmation. Okay, so the important stuff that the software does, the reason it's running is all of those external uh, effects it's having on the world, right? So the sending of the email, the saving of the, of the information so that they can log in afterwards, the accepting of the web request, okay? Sort of what happens between those things is, you know, you could look at them even as like, uh, it's unimportant implementation details, how it actually does it, right? What's important is the effect it's having on the world. So that's why we run our software. Uh, and these are all actions. Uh, the sending of an email is an action. If we look at it from our rule of thumb, the rule of thumb says it depends on when it is called or how many times it is called. So you could say, well, the email definitely depends on how many times it's called because if you send the same email twice, that's 
different. Or if you send it a hundred times, that's really bad. Or if you don't send it at all, you send it zero times, that's also bad. So you want to send it exactly one time. Um, other things depend on when they are called. So, well, let's go over some more examples of actions. Um, so one a uh, form of an action is reading from a mutable variable. Okay, that's an action because it depends on when it's called. Every time you read, you could get a different answer because something could have changed the uh, the value in that variable in the meantime, right? That's That's what mutable means. And so reading from that variable is an action. It depends on when it's called. It, so when you read it, you're being affected by the whole history of the of every write to that variable. And you don't know what your thing is going to read until you read it. Um, contrast this to a, let's say, calling a pure function or calling what I call a calculation. It's a function that does not read from mutable variables. And it also will give you the same answer every time if you give it the same arguments. Okay, so this is like a mathematical function. So if I say, if I say A plus B, I'll always get the same answer if A and B are the same. Right, so if I say 7 plus 2, I'll always get 9, no matter how many times I call it or when I call it. doesn't matter. I'll get the same answer. So let's look at another action, which is writing to a mutable variable. Does this depend on when it's called? Yes, because if it, I call that, if I write to this mutable variable just before you read from it, then it does matter. Because if I call it after, you'd get a different answer. So it does matter when I write to it. Okay, so it's an action. Okay, so the real trouble that these actions cause, so they cause trouble. Let me put it that way. They cause trouble. They're simultaneously the reason we run software and the most troublesome parts of our software. Why do they cause trouble? Well, when you get down to it, actions because they're so dependent on time how many times they're run or what when they're run like what order they're run in it really makes it hard to know what's going to run next what's going to happen next it could be this thing or it could be that thing you don't know because it all depends on what's happened in the past or sometimes it's even quite chaotic and random what's going to happen next. If you have like two threads and they start interleaving with each other, it's very hard to know what's going to happen next. And that makes it really hard to program. You know, we're trying to make these very reliable systems and things are just happening in different orders every time we run them. And there's just a lot of chaos in that system. It's a very, it's very complicated. So this is where a lot of bugs come in. And so part of this understanding of 
functional programming is that we recognize actions and we do our best to use them only when necessary. Okay, basically as little as possible. So what does that mean? We have to send an email. That's part of the business requirements. That's why we're running the software. Okay, we want to send that email. It's an action, but we want to we want it to happen. So that's kind of a necessary action. We can't get rid of that. We can't eliminate that action. But that reading and writing from and to a global variable, that is a choice that we're making as implementers. The user doesn't care if we use a global variable. That's what we chose for ourselves. And so we actually could eliminate that and not change the meaning of the software. And if we do that, we're eliminating an action that wasn't necessary. So that's one of the first things that we learned to do is to, to uh, move from using mutable things, mutable state, to a more calculation-based approach. So we're using many more pure functions, mathematical functions. And there's a number of techniques for converting these inessential actions, the actions that we chose to use as implement as an implementation, but weren't really required, when convert those into other things like calculations and sometimes even as data. But then there's some actions left, right? You still have to send that email. So there's also techniques for dealing with that, for managing those actions that are left because they could still cause trouble and we want to ensure that they don't. We want to ensure that the system still works the way we want it to. So these are the, these are kind of the hardest to explain, but functional programmers have a lot of techniques for doing this. So let's say that we do want to have a little bit of mutable state. We're functional programmers. We, we know the risks, but we want to mitigate those risks. So we have this bit of mutable state. How do we make it easier to work with? Well, one trouble with mutable state is if you have one thread or one part of your system writing to that mutable state and halfway, when you're halfway done writing, you're not done yet, but you're halfway done, some other part of your system reads the value. So they're reading kind of half, a half finished work, right? But they don't know it's half finished. They just know what they read. So that's a, that's a really big problem. I'd rather you have read an old value than read this half value. That isn't even a real thing. It's not what I intended to write. But, you know, you were so fast and I was so slow, boom, you just read it out from under me before I had a chance to finish. 
So what we have in functional programming is techniques, models, patterns for making this into a transactional write. Okay, so instead of being able to see my work half finished, we can ensure that you either see the old one, which was finished, or the new one, which was also finished. There's never an in-between state. We make it transactional, right? And so if I like am writing to it and I'm halfway done and then I mess up and I have to throw an exception, it's going to go back to the old one. So people, other, other parts of the system are still reading the old one. So I never get to this half completed state. And what that does is it eliminates all sorts of trouble right now you still have a choice like you still have some trouble right things might be reading the old value it's still mutable state they're going to get a different answer every time they read or they could right they could get a different answer every time they read so you still have some of this complexity this chaos of what's going to run next because let's say i put a boolean in there and you make a decision based on that Boolean. So now you're branching. So I don't know if the then branch is going to happen or the else branch is going to happen. One of them is, but I don't know which. So you have this, um, you have, it's still branching. There's still like, I don't know what's going to happen next, but way fewer things can happen next. Okay. Instead of some weird, intermediate value that might be broken it might it might cause some other branch to happen it's just the 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 ones that i intend to happen can happen okay so it's it's less complex even though it's still complex so imagine another type of action an email we have to send an email And this email server is, you know, on another machine. So we have to send a message to this machine to send the email. Now, most of the time when we send the message, we get a response saying, yes, I sent it. Good job. It all worked. But every now and then we don't hear back. We send a message and the request times out. We waited a long time. We don't hear anything back. So what happened? Did it send the message and then crash? Or did the, our request never get there? So it never sent the message? So we don't know. Did the message get sent or not? We're, we, we have no idea. It could, could be either. So we kind of want to send this thing again just in case right but then if we send it again it's going to be either it sends it one time or it sends it twice right and we don't want that we want it to be exactly one time so we need to manage this we need to make it so that we can control how many times it sends and make sure it's exactly once so functional programming has a tech for the technique for this and what you essentially need to do is make the action item potent, make the message item potent. So when I send 
this message, the server will recognize whether it has already sent this particular email already. And if it has, then it just says, okay, good. If it hasn't, then it sends it. So that will allow my system to send the same message twice without any problem. I can send the message to request that email be sent twice in case there's a timeout, in case there's a networking issue, uh, in case I crash in the middle and I can't remember where I was and I'm just trying to recover. So um, this is a, another technique for controlling the, the time, the number of times that this um, email gets sent and kind of divorcing it from the number of times I request that it be sent. Okay, so this is another technique that functional programmers use to manage time, to manage these necessary actions and make sure that they, uh, they do what we expect uh, with the least complexity possible. All right, so I'm going to recap. Uh, there are three categories that I think are sort of the primary distinction that functional programmers make. It's actions, calculations, and data. Actions and calculations can both run their code. Data is not code. It's just, you know, data. It's inert. Uh, but actions are code that depend on when they are run or how many times they are run. We run our software for the actions because those things can actually have an effect on the world. But there are some actions that are not essential and because actions are so problematic, we'd like to get rid of those and make our software more reliable. So we eliminate the as many actions as possible, replacing them with calculations, and then we manage them. We have some techniques for making actions less complicated, less complex, less tied up in time. Cool. Uh, my name is Eric Normand. This has been my thought on functional programming. I've got a book coming out, and it's all about this. Uh, this is, you know, chapter three stuff, chapter, uh, chapters three through six are all going to be about managing actions, making sure they do what we need them to do without introducing more complexity than they need to. Uh, so I just, I just want to let you know that that's coming out soon. Uh, it might already be out by the time you watch this. So do search for it. The book is called Taming Complex Software. Just uh, give it a good search. Um, cool. Thanks for being there and rock on.